Hey, what's up? Hello, good morning. Welcome back to another episode of Sinister Sunrise. I'm Erin. I'm Morgan. I'm Sarah. What's up? What's up? <laughs> what's up to my people in the house? I thought I'd change it up a little bit today. No, I'm none of us, it. none of us are tired or you know, acting tired. So this is this is a one of us is always either like a little tired or a little hungover <laughs> or a little something. We're all here. We are with it today, y'all. Woo! I'm two mimosas in. Let's go, let's go. <laughs> and good morning. <laughs> In fact, Andrew is still sleeping. Well, he's supposed to be. I bet you he is no longer. It's fine. He donkey kicked me last night, so he can open his eyeballs. It's fine. Okay, like that's so rude, though. (laughs) So now we're a little tipsy this morning. Happy Sunday. Yeah, whatever gets you through the day. Also, I'm drinking because I'm becoming a brunette, um, not by choice, but by quarantine. And I don't know how I feel about it. (laughs) Have you scheduled your hair appointment yet? Are they going to be up and running soon? Uh, I haven't. I didn't even think they could do that yet. I think a lot are opening tomorrow, which is technically May 4th, but this won't come out then. Okay. Okay. Please hold. I'm hanging up and calling my hairdresser. <laughs> Girl, bye. Just get me on your schedule now. My roots. But that's why it. I'm drinking this morning. Good morning. Happy yeah. Sunday. <laughs> I feel like I'm tired for a good reason, though, because we were all able to like most of us, our friend group, are able to socially distance and hang out, um, have a bonfire and get together um, mm. two nights this weekend. So it was good being able to see everyone. It was nice being able to have, I guess, that little bit of normalcy and seeing everyone, even though we were all spread apart in our own areas. But it was yeah. good catching up with everyone. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Was cool. I, missed, I missed the like living room aspect of it. Like, you know, us like piled uh-huh. up on a couch or two and just being like, wow. But and no was... June bugs attacking us. Correct. That was uh, <laughs> I live for the June bugs. <laughs> I was that was the epitome of Sarah's Friday night. <laughs> These mother truckers coming at her left. I'm surprised I'm having nightmares about it. No June bugs coming out of your ears. Stop. <laughs> There's still time. <laughs> There's still time. I'm only gonna wear these headphones from now on. They completely <laughs> cover my ears, and I feel safest like this. I think what was really cool about the the bonfire night too was like we uh, we got to play that that app game that piccolo game mm-hmm. so it was it's was very fun. much it's very much like circle of death so like you know when you say seven point to heaven do it seven point to heaven right now ladies go 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 oh. all right that was my game sarah won <laughs> i don't Drats. play i don't play no games and uh sorry i had to throw it in there i had to catch you off guard that was a good uh, one. That was pretty good. You got it. Thank me. you. Thank yeah. you. So I wanted to go last today anyway. So Sarah will go first. Aaron will go second. I will go last. All right. You guys ready to get spooked by me or you got some more things to say? Uh, I think I'm ready for your story. You know, I yeah. haven't had any Bloody Marys yet, so I am I'm ready. Do you need to make one? Is this Wait, well, how how scared am I gonna be? Uh, it's actually a pretty good one today. It's not oh, that overwhelming. Ah, oh, shit. All right, all right. No, I'll wait. I'll wait. It's okay. Okay. If I okay. have to get up halfway, don't be mad, but here we go. Oh, boy. Okay. So this morning, we are talking about an infamous dissociative disorder. Ooh. And dissociation is very common. So you ever drove home, and once you got there, you've just been stunned because you don't remember the drive? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So it happens to everyone. Well, almost everyone. And it's pretty harmless. It is crazy that your brain doesn't need your awareness to drive, but um, I guess that's harmless. And for some people, dissociate. <laughs> I mean, it scares me every time. And then I'm like, did I run over anything? Like, I don't remember, but I guess not. Yeah. 
If it was a very normal drive. How did I get here? <laughs> yes. I bet you're wondering how I got here. Uh, <laughs> that's what our friend Brooke said. Um, she <laughs> She's a nurse. And she was saying she had to um, have her finger up someone's bum hole to help them get some, some stuff out. And she's like, as I was doing it, I felt like a very much like like a Cusco moment from Emperor's New Groove. Like, yes. I bet you're wondering how I got here. <laughs> like every, everything pauses, like actor turns to camera. Hmm. Yeah. Well, she said she literally sat there and was like, oh, my God. Like, What's what have on? I done? Yes. Um, gross. Sorry, Bay. That's gross. <laughs> and that's why she can be a nurse and I cannot. I'm glad there are those people out there. You rock. Um, Go nurses. We love you. <laughs> yes. yes. But for some, dissociation isn't these small instances and it cannot be turned off so easily. They feel disconnected and that affects their daily life. It causes impaired awareness of actions, thoughts, physical sensations, and identity. So there are three types, but today we're going to focus on dissociative identity disorder. And Ooh. for one drink, can you tell me another name for DID? Split personality. Okay. Aaron, um, um, <laughs> um, you put she me on says, the spot. Is not a title. <laughs> you are incorrect, Aaron. Just tell me. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> we're getting really close. It's uh, multiple personalities. Multiple personalities. Hey, so we'll count it. I'll drink for that one. That's right. Lord, I'm ready to learn about these personalities, girl. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so dissociative identity disorder which I will be enunciating again quite a bit today because dissociative identity disorder is the, sorry, sorry, I got, got lost in that. The Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, 5th edition, also known as the DSM or the Psychology Bible, changed the title from Multiple Personalities to Dissociative Identity Disorder in 2013. Um, this is just to allow for the explanation of the blackouts that happen when people are suffering with this. And also, I was watching. Yeah, I see your face, Morgan. Yes, I'm sorry. I was I'm, I'm, I'm my jaw dropped because 2013. I feel like wow. Well, no, 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 that's it, not that far. It had been in there for a long time, but it was in there I as know, multiple personalities. I know. I'm okay. saying like a be because like I feel like wow. I feel like we should have learned a little bit more about it and given it the proper title like a long well, time ago. 2013 is not that long ago. <laughs> Well, psych is still a pretty new science, though. You know, I like know, we're always learning things and changing. And I'm going to get the, to why. Yeah, I was going to say, doesn't the DSM usually update pretty frequently now? Like yeah, you I mean, said it's on five. its fifth edition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Because for All a while, right, homosexuality was in there. So, yeah. <laughs> Something cool is I took this psych class in college and I talked about how, like, the zeitgeist, like, psychology usually follows, like, the mood of the times. So, mm -hmm. Because it's influenced by people and people have, well, people have their own personal thoughts. So, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get down this like very much like high rabbit hole in a second if we don't get care. So I was also, <laughs> take that, throw it out the window. Um, I was watching an interview with 60 Minutes Australia. And the psychologist states that the new title of DID, which I will probably actually call it that for the whole episode, if that's okay with you guys. Uh, yeah, yeah, please do. Okay, so DID, it also helps explain how this is not multiple personalities just popping up in one person, but one personality that has been fractured into different alters, mm -hmm. which I thought Ooh. was cool. Like, it's not like new people just showing up in your body. Like, it's still you. You're just kind of broken down. Yeah. So it's not like the movie Split, 
I talk about that later. No, it is oh. not. Okay. No, it is Ugh. not. Such they a, took a weird a... turn on that. I love it. It's that a great movie, though. though. The actor is oh, curious. so good. So good. Yes, he is. So hot. So good. <laughs> I'll, I'll complete what we were all thinking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is a very, very rare condition. Um, and some psychologists actually challenge the existence of it. And on Psychology Today and in parts of the DSM, it also says people suffering with this ailment are going to, one, have more than one personality. And for the record, I don't mean how I act around my grandma would be Susan. How I act around my fiance would be Sarah. They're two completely separate entities in one body. Like, I know they're still the same mm-hmm. personality, but broken, but you don't always know it's what the left you, hand is it's doing. It's not you putting on a front. Yes. It's like, literally, like, it changes you. Yes. It's it's really hard to explain, but I'm glad you guys are following. Okay. Yes. Sometimes this can even be compared to, like, as a possession. Whoa. Yeah, because think, like, you don't have control over it. It's just another personality popping up. Yeah. Crazy. Um, which, by the way, in high school, it was a big insult to be called a fake around some people. But guess what, bitches? That's normal. Humans adapt to <laughs> environments. You're not always yep. your most true self. <laughs> but I just had to get that out there. Okay. For everyone from high school. I was Ooh, a shit. Yeah. Do you hear it? Yes. Training wheels are off, baby. Um, <laughs> you will always have a piece of it and you'll always be aware of your personality. But not for these people. Um, some do and some don't. It just depends if it's overt or covert, which I'm not going to get into that too much. But these personalities did start as one and then they broke apart. That's the most important thing to remember. Okay. Two, this disruption in personality is going to cause – I've been calling it the host. No one else did, but that just seemed like the most scary movie thing to me. Your body is the host, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to cause the I've host to have memory loss. Okay, cool. Yes. Yeah. Host to have memory loss and – about time and about personal history, which to me, this is terrifying. There may be people, places, or events that only one of your personality knows about. That's like, weird. Yes. Like, what if me, Sarah, knew you guys, but me, Susan, was like, who the F are you? Oh, that like, hurts my heart. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Isn't that weird? And for some people, that's reality, and it's terrifying. I Yeah. I Like, having to deal with that on a semi probably daily basis i guess i know like we'll learn more about that how how quickly it mm-hmm. affects people but like could you imagine like walking down the street and someone's like oh hey blah blah and you're like that's not me but it just kept happening Whoa. yeah well like even just imagine if you woke up today and you thought it was still april because you lost five days of time <gasps> Ooh. Ooh, five yeah, that days. Can okay i was thinking like an hour <laughs> oh shit i think it's more common to have like an hour or something but you could do days like it's not yeah yeah mm-hmm. i when we have when we get more commentary time i'll bring up i watched a tv show about uh multiple personalities so Ooh. well the case i'm gonna talk about she lost like two years <gasps> what mm-hmm. holy shit um but really quick the last one is personality states are present and can take control of a person so just know they're not normally there at the same time it's they're switching off mm-hmm. cool. yes because there are at least two distinct personalities, it is common to see one personality, probably the primary, be passive and dependent and even maybe even a little depressed, while the other one will be directly contrasted to this primary one. Um, and the cool thing is when one personality is control of the person, they will have their own backstories. They can have their own self-image, their own opinions of people. Um, this personality may even be a different gender than the host, let's call it. Um, they could have a different age, a different vocabulary even. 
I was watching an interview on YouTube, and this woman said one of her alters needed prescription glasses where she had 20-20 vision. What? Also, one of her alters was left-handed, and she was right-handed. Bruh. Like, yeah. your brain is crazy. But she I mean, knows crazy cool, she, not like crazy bad, but... But she knows that she has alters. Is that typical? Um, I don't know if it's typical. From my research, there's two kinds. There's one where you do know, and I believe that one is covert. Like, you understand it's unusual, but you, like, know of the other ones. And then there's the okay. overt one where it's, like, you really just lose time. You have no idea what's going on. Got it. Okay. And that's covert with a C and overt with an O. That was my understanding. So if I'm wrong, correct me, but that was my understanding. I will get into it, but I more so agree with the one that's where you don't know the other personalities because to me that makes more sense of – okay, hold on. We'll get to it. So psychologists theorize that personality fractor, fractures and DID are caused by trauma, and a lot of sufferers will report abuse both physical and sexual which is really sad, but on a 60 Minutes Australia episode, psychologist also stated that this ailment is more likely to start in childhood because kids don't yet have the skills to cope with, you know, the shocks that life can throw at you. It could also happen in adults, but it happens in kids. So with the trauma in mind, to me, it makes more sense that you wouldn't know about your other alters because they're trying to protect yourself. Yep. But I mean, maybe you do. I don't know. I don't suffer with this, so I don't know. And like, I'm going to get to this a little bit, but we don't know all there is to know about this disorder. Yeah. Sarah, mm-hmm. I think – I remember I'm very, like, interested in this myself. Like, I watched a couple, like, YouTube documentaries and I've seen, like, on YouTube just, like, different people, like, saying, like, making a YouTube video, watch my – watch me switch on camera. Like, they didn't even know they were doing it and, like, they caught themselves switching on camera and that's how they, like, found out that they mm-hmm. had this. So, wow. my, like, one of the things I read was, like – it can happen when you're a kid, like like you were mentioning, like if something happens, mm-hmm. very traumatic, like your body, like you said, like f- like f- kind of breaks off and makes that other branch of a personality to kind of protect you or protect yourself or your emotions. Isn't it true? And I don't mean like throw this at you. Like if that happens when you're young, like it doesn't necessarily mean like you'll start showing the signs of that until you're older. Like or do you like have that split personality from then on? Um, I don't actually know for sure. It could hang on the background. It can come to the forefront. But also, kids are really weird, to be honest with you. So if they have a different personality, you might not even know. Like, you might just be like, you know what? This is who you are today. Cool, Scooter. Yeah. Go do it. Scooter. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, I get it. Yeah. So they could be there and they could not. I don't know. I didn't look too much into, um, like, kids with it. I more looked into, like, the adults. Yeah. Good. I know less about that, so I'm glad you did. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if you could diagnose a kid, like what age they See? would even diagnose that. That would be really mm-hmm. tricky. I don't know that they really do because everything I, I saw was yeah. about adults. So maybe they will start doing that as you get younger and stuff. But like I said, I wouldn't know how to do that because they're so creative. Like who knows? Yeah. If they're talking about their oh, imaginary friend, if they're talking about themselves. My kids being my like being a kid, you know, like I mm-hmm. feel like that would just be the like, or let it roll, let them do their thing. They're not hurting anyone, just let them do their thing. No, my poor children though, I was like, oh my god, oh my god, you're crazy. Gets out her, gets out her psych book, gets out her dream analogy. What does <laughs> <I> mean? <laughs> tell me, tell me if you had any traumas. <laughs> um, but no, so certain stressors they're going to cause personalities to come to the forefront or come to the phone, as it's been described, which I thought was cool. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. So like your body is a vessel and these two or more personalities are just using it to talk to the outside world. Yet again, it goes pretty deep. I thought it was cool. Gets me some chilies. (laughs) Yes. Chilies, baby back personalities. Um. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Good morning. Um, So there is no rule of thumb on if these personalities know each other. Some do, some don't. Which, yet again, it makes more sense to me if they don't, but I'm not, you know, an expert. Um, And some have a whole episode of Bad Girls Club in one body because they're in open conflict. (laughs) Oh, shit. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And I will keep saying this, but our minds are so cool. So some sufferers of DID, they report that they're just watching things happen. So these are the ones that they know of the other personalities. They just aren't really doing anything. Um, It's kind of like when you're drunk and you're telling a story. Like, you know what's happening, but you don't have any control over it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you're almost just watching it happen, like, oh my God, stop the words, but you can't. Like you're just literally watching these things take over for you. This sounds really crazy, but you can become depersonalized with your own personalities. Like they're just separate from you. So sufferers, they may even hear voices like that of a child, which remember your alternate personalities can have different ages than you. They can also mm-hmm. think these things are a higher spiritual power. Um, sometimes these voices have different streams of thought at the same time. So you can hear Whoa. like whole conversations in your head. And the host has no control over any of these thoughts, which has to okay. be terrifying. Okay, like, and that's also terrible. like what – how do you – because to me that sounds like like a branch of schizophrenia. So mm-hmm. it's like how So do that's you kind know of why this has been hard difference? to study because in the Whoa. past like they've attributed things that could have been schizophrenia to multi-personality um, or to what is now DID. So they're still figuring it out from my research. But yet again, that one that's covert where you can like, you know, those other people in your body, this could be the case. You could hear them talking. Yeah. I don't like that at all. (laughs) Spooky enough for you this morning. Um, Yeah. Crazy. And the host may have like, because they're hearing all these thoughts, they don't have that much control. They may have sudden and like super intense impulses to do something that they don't really like would normally do or doesn't make sense. And the most creepy, in my opinion is that some claim their bodies can feel different, like that of a child or that of someone much more muscular. And no, at Aaron Allen, they do not look different. The movie Split, that is not really a fair representation, but you can feel like you look like that. You know what? I think he just had a rush of adrenaline, and that's why he went from, like, you know, regular scrawny dude to, like, the Hulk in two seconds. Okay? Mm -hmm. I'm just kidding. It was (laughs) terrible. Like, he went from, like, it wasn't me, it was Patricia, to like Hulk in like three seconds. I was all about the movie until the very end, and I was like, God dang it. I'm like, ugh. Dude, well, I want to see the, because it's a, uh, not a, I guess it's like a second part of. Um, it's a trilogy. Yeah, it was the first one. What's the first one? Oh, my brain is not working this morning. Bruce I can't Willis. name things. Yeah, Bruce. it has Bruce Willis in it. In- what? Sarah, that's the whole on something untouched, unstop, untouchable, unbreakable, unbreakable, no. unbreakable. Yes, it's unbreakable, and then unbreakable glass split, is the third and then one. Mr. Glass. Yeah, Mr. Glass. Yeah, no glass, glass. Yeah, whatever it is. Sarah's glass, bra- yeah. You didn't it's like a the trilogy. ending, AK, because you didn't because it's from a different movie. <laughs> like they referenced that. That's the whole ending. Sarah's face right now. I'm dying. Does that just like put the whole movie? Does it change your perspective? Does this mean he actually it has changed the my whole I'm- day? I'm about to do something different with my time. Yes, <gasps> let's watch <laughs> the trilogy, guys. I've never mm-hmm. seen Unbreakable. Mm-hmm. Let's watch. I all have Unbreakable. 
I have the <gasps> DVD. Oh my God. Let's do it. Okay. Second okay. quarantine's over. Movie day. Movie day. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yes. Mm-mm. Okay. Because okay. I do like Split. I do like Split. It's good. I really, yes. Well, now I'm going to like it more. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So yes, it is cool, but you will not transform your body. Like the girl who has a, a boy personality inside of her, she doesn't magically, I got to put this drink on. She doesn't magically, you know, grow extra body parts. <laughs> Sarah! <laughs> what? <laughs> and we shall continue. This disorder would be traumatizing for anyone suffering with it. And on top of the blackouts, they may also have the post-traumatic flashbacks and intense nightmares. So, yeah, just because your brain is trying to protect you, it can't always do that. Like, if you still suffered through some kind of trauma, you're going to have to have those memories, whether you know about what they actually are or if it's just scary. It's crazy to think that, like, it's your brain's way of protecting you. And, like, I'm not trying to be snarky, but, like, it doesn't really because it seems as so abnormal that it almost makes it harder for you in the real world. Think that, but at the time you may have needed it to split off. So give me one second here. But okay, um, okay. According to that DSM, which I will not list the full name again, more than seventy percent of people suffering with DID have attempted to commit suicide. Oh, I hate that. So yeah, whether it's real or not, it's obvious that these people need help with their quality of life and mental health. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. Okay, and I've been hinting at this and just outright saying it, but this illness isn't entirely understood or widely believed. But overall, obviously, it's not a fun time. I mean, even if someone doesn't have it and they just think they do, that's still going to debilitate their life. So this ailment has been reported on since 1811, with the first famous case being Mary Reynolds. But it became super popular in the late 70s when a made-for-TV movie called Sybil hit the small screens across America. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. It was such a hit that one in five Americans watched as Miss Sally Field portrayed the difficult life of Sybil Ann Dorset. Have you guys ever seen it or read the book? I have seen it. I don't know if I've it. ever heard of it. Oh, my God. Oh, Add Aaron, it to the list. It Fs you up. Is it I read the scene where I find it? You said it's a show? It, no, it's uh, a movie. No, it's, it's a movie. A movie. Okay. So, I'll have to look it up. What, Morgan? And a book, right? Is that what you just said? Yes. I didn't, I so didn't I read that. the book in high school for my psych classes. Ooh! That's a good For my psychology idea. classes. And it made me gag. Isn't that <laughs> and then like, I watched... Quick, they t- isn't that where they tie her to the table or the piano? Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah. Bah, 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 bah. I'm going to tell you about her, so I'm so sorry. Um, okay. And then I watched the movie on my own because I'm a glutton for punishment, apparently. Uh, yeah. So real life, let's talk about her. Sybil... Dorset was actually Shirley Ardell Mason. She was born in 1923 in Dodge Center, Minnesota. <laughs> Bet they weren't Chevy people. <laughs> oh my! Oh my God! <laughs> She's been waiting. She probably has been waiting to f- make that joke since the beginning of the episode. Oh my God! Okay. Anyway. Yeah, I wrote. I wrote it in yesterday, and I was like, <laughs> "But a bunch." <laughs> Jesus, girl. <laughs> Can we just pay for that sound effect? Because I need it after all my jokes. Like, yeah. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) Her parents were Walter Mason, a passive-natured architect and carpenter, and Martha Alice Atkinson. In real life, Martha went by Maddie, and in the book, she went by Hattie. Do you see what they did there? Yeah, what a change. Mm. 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 
So Hattie was said, or Maddie, whatever way, was said to be quite odd. And she was actually diagnosed with schizophrenia. And at one point, she was catatonic for days, which is common for someone who has catatonic schizophrenia. And if you guys don't know, that just means she was um, unresponsive. Like she didn't talk, she didn't move, et cetera. Oh, wow. Yes. And she subjected Sybil to many terrible traumas and abuse, both downright bizarre, like nighttime walks to shit on neighbors' lawns and psychosexual. Uh, I'm so sorry. Like one where she, it's important. I don't know why it happens. One where she fills her daughter's bladder using an enema. And then I'm an adult. I can do this. She fills her daughter's bladder using an enema and then beats her when she goes to the bathroom. Oh my God. See, like this is why multiple personalities make sense to me because you would almost need something to take over for that. Like that is so terrible. You know what I'm saying? Like that's the protection part. Like me, Sarah, I couldn't handle it. But me, Susan, could come in and be like, all right, girl, like you just take a step back. Like it's your stronger sense of self coming out. Like either that or it's like I feel like the other like side of that would be you want to protect your like 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 you, Su- like you, Sarah, want to protect yourself. So then mm-hmm. Susan is made so that Sarah can dissociate from it. Mm-hmm. So like whether Susan's stronger or not, she doesn't have to deal with it. If that makes yes. sense. That makes sense in my yes. brain. I don't know. No, it makes sense. Um, but that's why like long-term it's not great, but like at the time, this may be the only way someone could deal with that kind of trauma. Like that's. Yeah. And also on- I feel like it's, a, it's your brain doing it. Like you're not mm-hmm. consciously being like, okay, go ahead and split. Like, no, right. like it. Won't well, you as a child when this happened too. So it makes sense. Like you don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. 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 That's the only one I'm going to talk about. Don't worry about that. Um, that's grass. That's grass. Yes. Like literally, and we're reading this, and I don't have to go like a paragraph at a time and then put it down because it's pretty graphic. Yep. So if you want to read it, Aaron, you'll be really spooked. And uh, <laughs> I'll put well, it on my me, list. This is like the worst kind. Like I can't read that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. So Sybil or Shirley ends up having sixteen, and that's one six different distinct personalities. Um, these personalities were not only at the hands of her mother, but also at her grandmother passing away, um, her childhood friend moving, but her mom was a major, major factor in Sybil's trauma. So Sybil eventually moves away from her hometown, attends college, and then moves to New York to pursue treatment with Dr. Wilbur because she is missing like days at a time. Like the example they give, I think she ends up in a different city and she's lost like five days. Holy shit. And she, that's when she's like, I need to talk to someone. Like, I need to get this figured out, which yeah. good for you, girlfriend, because that would be terrifying. Yeah. So with Dr. Wilbur's help, Sybil is forced to show her multiple personalities, figure out which ones are the most prevalent or central, and then work through the traumas and what and work through what Sybil calls blank spaces or time where she has no idea what's going on because the other personalities have taken control. Wow. Dr. Wilbur eventually befriends Sybil and they hire a ghostwriter to write the book. Sybil. And then it was turned into this movie that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. That all sounds pretty peachy, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Great. Totally. I meant, I meant the ending, but even that was a setup because <laughs> wrong. This, <laughs> this book was a success. Um, it sold like 60 million copies. Within years of its publication, the number of people coming forward with multiple personalities skyrocketed. So Whoa. before the... This is also why it's really hard to know exactly what's going on. So before the book, there was only 100 cases in the history of ever. 
And then after the movie, which I don't know what happened in between the book and movie, but after the movie, there were in the thousands. Like people were just popping up like, oh, I have it. I have it. And because Dr. Wilbur is a real doctor or psychiatrist, other psychiatrists want to help their patients. And they initially believe everything that Dr. Wilbur has written. So they even start to misattribute symptoms of other ailments as symptoms Uh. of multiple personality disorder. So yet again, you mentioned earlier like, oh, that sounds like schizophrenia. It could be. Like sometimes these these diseases, like they're right on the edge of things. So this was like a new sexy illness. So Well, it's like, shoot, people go on WebMD and diagnose themselves and believe it. So if I watched a movie and I was like, wow, I that happened to me, especially back in the day when that came out, I can totally believe it. I listened to another podcast and they actually compared this to WebMD. Like (laughs) just because it is like, (laughs) oh my God, I had this disease. I was watching the video for dissociative disorders and i was yelling i'm like i think i have a dissociative disorder oh my gosh i don't i don't think oh i do <laughs> oh um, my god sarah this is patricia um, it's patricia that's my favorite yes. line <laughs> the movie is good so also remember how sybil and dr wilbur became friends yeah. not a great idea no nope. <laughs> mm. no 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 sybil became more and more dependent on dr wilbur both emotionally and financially also, as a way to, mm-hmm, quote, because, I mean, those um, those treatments got expensive. I don't think she could always pay for them. So I think eventually she ended up living with Dr. Wilbur. Oh, what? Yeah. You're yeah. breaking some codes of, there, bud. A little bit of conflict, patient confidentiality contract. You mean, yes. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so she is, like, completely dependent on this person. And then as a way to, quote, unquote, overcome the hardships of talking through trauma, Dr. Wilbur began giving um, – Sybil, or Shirley, whatever you want to call her, whatever name, injections of sodium pentothal, a truth serum, <laughs> and uh, she used hypnotism. So those two things aligned with Sybil's eagerness to please made her the most suggestible patient ever. And at one point, Sybil even tries to recant what she said, stating that she has never had any other personalities. And it's rumored, oh. though, yes. It's Because at first, she didn't have these personalities. It took a couple months for her to even show one of them to Dr. Wilbur, which doesn't mean they're not there. I don't right. I don't know. It just I think she went to her originally because she was very nervous. Like, they called it acute nervousness, and she had blackouts. Like, she even had to leave college for a while for her nervousness. Wow. And this one is true. So she had to leave college for a while because of, like, this whatever she's dealing with. And she goes home, and she's like, Mom, can you please call Dr. Wilbur? Because she had worked with Dr. Wilbur in Nebraska. And then she followed her to New York to get treatment again. But I left that out because I thought it would be too long. But now I'm saying it anyway. So here it is. So her mom, this bitch, picks up the phone and pretends to call the doctor. Never does. And then so whenever Dr. Wilbur moves away, Shirley is like, what the hell? Like, I, you're not going to tell me bye? Like, we're not going to finish treatment? She had no idea. And Dr. Mm-hmm. Wilbur is over here like, will you just stop showing up one day? Oh, my God. That's mm-hmm. sad. Yeah, Her mom is the devil. So even if her mom didn't do all this crazy stuff, like, she did enough that, like, you should want to help your kids, right? Like, that's the whole point of having children. So, mm-hmm. so anyway, Sybil or Shirley is very, very, very impressionable. And she does try to recant, recant but it's rumored this time Dr. Wilmer, Wilbur has already accepted a deadline for the book. And she was giving speeches on multiple personality disorder. So Sybil was forced to go with the flow in order to keep her support system. Cool. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. 
And so what is fact? What's fiction? Um, as I mentioned, multiple personalities is very controversial. The two camps are one, totally real. DID is caused by stress, and that forces the mind to divide in different identities. Two, totally not real. Um, the effects of DID are artificially made by certain psychotherapeutic practices or by patients that kind of play a role that they think someone with DID would do. In the case of Sybil or Shirley, she did have long periods of blackouts and a lot of childhood trauma. Um, only she knows if it's as bad as it's in the books. But she did, like I said, have a history of nervousness and other ailments. We have proof that her mom was kind of a nutcase. Um, and then on her deathbed, apparently she said they were all real. So I don't know what's true and what's not true. Like I said, that's only something she knows. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, treatment for DID is long-term psychotherapy or talk therapy with the goal of deconstructing the different personalities and integrating them into one person. And Whoa. at the moment they're, mm -hmm. yeah, that's the whole, that's what you go to a psychiatrist for if you have this. Like basically you're trying to figure out which personalities function for what role. Like you're going to have your central ones. Yeah. Like with Sybil, she had, I think, four personalities and then some of those personalities had children of their own. What the fuck? Yeah, hers, her family tree got a little weird in her head. Um, Whoa. But you have to figure out, like, what personalities play central roles. Like, why are you important? What happened to make you be there? Okay. Um, okay. And then you kind of have to face those traumas and deal with them as an adult. Like, just, like, with a healthy way. Not that adults know how to do it better, but with help, they would. Yeah. And then you can kind of start putting yourself back together into one whole person. So that's the goal. Um, and at this moment, there's no medication for dissociative identity disorder. I mean, obviously. But sometimes you can use antidepressants, anti-anxiety, or even tranquilizers can be prescribed to help you control the symptoms. Jeez. Yeesh. Yes. The word tranquilizer just scares me. I don't yeah, – Uh-huh. Correct. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and you, yes, it's an arguable topic. Psychologists are still learning about it. And a lot of that is because of the spring up of people thinking they had it after the Sybil movie. So then it kind of muddies the water on like, what is real? What is you just thinking you have it and like coming up with more things. And also some of the treatments like the earlier treatments, like that sodium pentothal and the hypnotism, they led to a lot of false memories. So that makes it difficult mm -hmm. also. Yeah. Like, Oh, wow. did your mom, beat you as, as if they're not yeah. struggling enough like let's just give them false memories <laughs> yes and i know it came from a good place like these psychiatrists are just trying to help but it led to false memories which i will cover on a different time but yeah what do you guys mm -hmm. think you think it's real i do yeah i think so there is it reminded me and this has been very recent i this girl does not have did but mm -hmm. have you heard sarah you have tiktok so maybe you know there's this <laughs> girl who is not only impersonating Ariana Grande, like I can't remember <gasps> yes, what her name, Paige or something. Yeah. So she looks like her. So she's been making TikToks of like when she was cat in um, Victorious or whatever that show was that she was on um, so, and just making videos of her like Ariana Grande, like talking like her. But she's like starting to take on like Ariana Grande's identity and personality it's not just like she's just making a TikTok and then changing out of those clothes and going on with her life. Like she's looking like her every day. Yeah. Like, she, like Ariana Grande is. Yes. And like before I think and like I read somewhere in the original like videos and whatever else shit she would do, she would the whole thing with TikToks like one of like I have one. I don't. But <laughs> one of the things that they do is like you do. um, Oh, what's it called? 
like lip syncing over mm-hmm. the words. Yeah. Originally, yeah. she was doing that, and now she's starting. She did it so much that now she's like learned how to talk like her. So now she's doing it, and that's her real voice. That's a little scary. And she's been like interviewed. I don't know if it was like a, I don't know if it was a reporter or for a TV channel or something. But like she was interviewed, and she was like dressed up and looks oh. like Ariana. Yeah, it's real weird. Yeah. That might not be so very different. That may be something yeah, else, but that's still not healthy. Yeah, be like she's not having person. her own identity. No, that's. I guess she's in an identity crisis, but I don't know. <laughs> I will look into that in a further episode because that is interesting. No, I'd yeah. not heard of that yet. I didn't know if you had heard of it, but I have seen it going around the last couple of days. When yeah, flattery a- goes very wrong, <laughs> flattery is not always the purest form of compliments. No. Um, but yes, that was all I had on that. So be good to yourselves. If you're going through or have experienced trauma, reach out to a professional. You do not have to face problems alone. So yeah. hope that was spooky enough for you ladies. That was yeah. spooky. Thank you, Sarah. Have you, have you ever seen uh, United States of Terra? No. It's a great show about about DID. It's great. It's uh, United the, States of Terra. Yeah, I think it was on like Showtime or something like that. But I think they're working on getting on like Hulu or Netflix potentially. Um, I don't think I think it only had like three or four seasons. But uh, it's oh, what's her name? The mom from Hereditary is the is Tara. Ooh, in it. I love and, her. She is so good. The dad is Aiden from Sex and the City. Yo, it's a cast. Let me tell you. Woo-hoo! Yeah, United States show. of Tara. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cancel. We could start that together too. <laughs> how do you it's watch great. that though i don't have tv i only have like netflix and hulu. i think there's I, I like i said i think i saw like they're like trying to reboot it on netflix or hulu or something like that but i'll do a little bit okay. more digging but it, it was like you could download like the showtime app and watch all of it or something like that so yeah yes, it's yes, really yes, really yes, good yes yes, yes 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 so shout out to that show it's it's from like 2011 12 maybe maybe even earlier it's really is good, that not crazy that's nine years ago I know, stop. <laughs> it's so weird. Wow. All right. I'm a grandma. Aaron, it's your turn. My personality <laughs> right. is turning it over for you. <laughs> okay. Well, I have a very interesting, very baffling story today. Um, not sure if you guys have heard of it, so I'll be interested if you have. Um, so I'm going to say my sources first. I have um, ABC News articles um, by Jim Avila, Jeff Martz, and Joanne Napolitano. A New York Times article by David Staba, a Fox News article, a Lockport Journal article by April Amadon, the Daily Beast article by Larry Getlin, and then I listened to a podcast. I don't know if you guys have heard this one um, called Martinis and Murder. It's like Ooh, an oxygen. It. It's an oxygen podcast. They were very oh. good. Um, it was oh. episode four of their podcast. So, yeah, those are my cool. sources and. Strap in, guys, because this is a crazy ride. You okay. ready? Again, just like yeah, every week, no, but yeah, yeah, sure. Let's go. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> this one That's is fine. especially, though. Uh, Great. It's a little different. Can't, can't wait. <laughs> okay. In May 2005, Thomas Montgomery, a factory worker from Buffalo, New York, entered a chat room on the popular game site Pogo. I'd never heard of it. Um, nope. Using his scream name, Marine Sniper. Tall Hot Blonde, spelled T A L H O T B L O N D, just for reference, um, she started messaging Montgomery, telling him that her name was Jesse, 
that she was 18 years old, and that she was a high school student and softball player from West Virginia. As their conversations turned to flirting, Jesse began to send Montgomery photos of her, some of that being a bit steamy, provocative, you know, in some suggestive poses. You do you, girl. Okay. Yeah. She told Montgomery that she wanted to see photos of him, so Montgomery sent Jesse a picture of him from Marine Boot Camp. Well... The photo Montgomery sent Jesse just happened to be from 30 years ago. What? I do that all the time. Uh Uh-huh. Montgomery was actually 46 years old, married, and was a father to two teenage daughters. (gasps) No. No. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. For a second, I was like, 30 years ago, is he a ghost? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know which I which section Ooh. you cover on the show, Morgan. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, I get it now. I get, I get it now. Oh my god, Lord have mercy. Woo. Okay, I'm sorry. So he's he's trifling. All right, we cool. He ain't a ghost. He just trifling. All right. Woo. Yes, but to Jesse Montgomery was Tommy, a 19 year old, six foot tall, burly Iraq bound Marine. Montgomery told 2020 that the relationship, quote, became more real to me than real life, end quote. And he even compared the online relationship to a drug addiction, which doesn't sound good. Uh, okay. So it's an addiction. It doesn't have to be a drug addiction. It's just an addiction. Yeah, that made me get chills when you said that. So Tommy, but should relationships be addictions? Anyway. No, I it's wrong. I just think you yeah. want an extra step. Maybe like, calm be- it down. Yeah, maybe you should be addicted to your wife and your kids. Or maybe your help- kids. It's <gasps> fine. Or probably to your heart. You need some heart medicine. You're in your late 40s. Mm. Really watch yourself, old man. Just kidding. You're not old, but still. Montgomery also told 2020 that Jesse and Tommy would engage in virtual sex. Okay. And he was not able to cut ties with Jesse because he was in too deep. Chat room messages and emails recovered from Montgomery's computer showed how engrossed in the online relationship he was and how he was just out of touch with reality. Is this a Black Mirror episode? (laughs) It kind of seems like it starts off that way. But it gets interesting, Did you see the one where they were, like, hooking up in the video game? What? I think so. It's the newest season. I've seen all of... Oh, never mind. The no, I haven't seen that one. Oh! I'm behind. Uh, I love that show. Okay, I'm sorry. It's a great show. Montgomery also wrote himself a bizarre note that I found in an ABC article that said, on January 2nd, 2006, Tom Montgomery, 46 years old, ceases to exist and is replaced by an 18-year-old battle-scarred Marine. He is moving to West Virginia to be with the love of his life. Uh, Disgusting. Weird. Does she know? She thinks... No, she thinks he's 19. Yeah. Someone's in for a surprise, and I don't think you're going to get the reaction you want. Yeah, it's more like a not it's not at all. surprise. It's more like, boo. Okay, there's a difference. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Wes, for that speech, but oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> he's not jumping out of no cakes. <laughs> <laughs> well, he would, and then he'd fall because he's old anyway. <laughs> Yet again. Not that old. It's just old no, in this context. Sorry. It's just old compared to 18-year-old Jesse, dude. That's disgusting. Yeah, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Jesse and Tommy would talk on the phone, mail love letters, and send each other gifts. 
Just to paint a picture of this relationship, Jessie mailed Montgomery her G-string as a way to prove how much she loved him. Um, but she also sent him that gift because Montgomery found out that Jessie was sending pictures of herself to other men. I mean, you're pretending to be 19 years old, dude, so I don't know why you're mad. <laughs> I Excuse me why I go vomit. This is like... Ooh, and did his wife never open these like oh babe you bought me panties i'm also, getting to that in just a second damn his voice i feel like eight 19 year old men to like an almost 50 year old man has a different voice yeah i don't know how so Maybe he's I like a voice disguiser uh-huh. i used to be a recruiter and um this person I would work with, she'd been recruited for a long time. She was saying it's harder and harder to differentiate anymore because less people are smoking. So your voices oh. don't change quite as much as they used to. Damn. Okay. That was deep. I f- I'm there for it. I never thought about that, but she's like, yeah, like, she's like 20 years ago, you could tell, like, all right, you've been around the block. Like, you're definitely in your 40s, 50s. Like, you're a new kid. She's like, now it's a little bit more tough because yeah. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are so many times if I'm listening to like other podcasts, like I have a picture of what that person looks like in my mind based off of that mm-hmm. person's voice. And then I actually see their picture and I'm like, oh, I would not have right. guessed at all. Yeah, that's so, true. Yeah, I can understand that. I mean, still a pretty big gap you're assuming there. Oh, but I, Yes, this I, is wrong on every level. Um, Montgomery also allegedly proposed to Jesse, who said yes, even though they had never met in real life. Whoa. Unfortunately, Montgomery would not get the chance to move to West Virginia to be with his fiancée. ABC reported that in March 2006, one of his daughters was on his computer when a message from Jesse popped up. After hearing about the message from her daughter, Montgomery's wife, Cindy, did some digging and found the love letters, photos, lingerie, and a set of custom-made dog tags that I guess were a gift. After intercepting one of Jesse's packages, Cindy sent Jesse a letter along with a picture of her family to the return address on the package in her letter yeah, she yeah. uh-huh in her letter she told Jesse that the man in the center of the picture was her husband and that it was Montgomery that they had been married since 1989 he was 46 years old and he was the father of two teenagers hell yes and yes, i feel like yes yes that's like the best route almost Cindy could have taken like she felt technically she felt bad for Jesse. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure she was pissed off as all yeah. hell at her husband. And she was like, I'm mad, but I want this girl to know that she's being duped. Right. You know? Because he was I mean, he was lying. She took like the higher ground. I don't know. I feel like she could have said a lot more in that letter. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Okay. So That's why she's wife material. <laughs> mm-hmm. So horrified, Jesse texted Montgomery and broke things off with him. Jesse remembered a conversation she had with Montgomery where he talked about his coworker, 22-year-old part-time machinist and college student Brian Barrett. Montgomery had frequently bragged about his online relationship to Brian and his other coworkers, and he had mentioned Brian's chat name, brace yourselves ladies, Beefcake. Ugh. That's Ooh, it? Oh, I thought so we were going to be like beefcake, blah, 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 blah. Wow. No, cool. beefcake. I just find beefcake. I'm hungry for breakfast. Oh, my God. <laughs> I am Woo! hungry, but. <laughs> oh, my Lord. So, Jesse seeked Brian out on the same chat board her what Montgomery had talked on. Um, and, well, originally she's she seeked. She do what she want. Yeah. So, originally she seeked him out 
to see if what Montgomery's wife had told her was the truth just to ask him about it. And Brian admitted to Jesse that, yes, Montgomery was indeed 46 years old, and he was not the hunky Marine teen that he made himself out to be. However, after their initial chat, Jesse and Brian started messaging regularly online and sending each other photos. I'm getting some deja vu here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The two's relationship was also public in chat rooms, the same ones Marine Sniper frequented. Brian would also talk about his online relationship at work, and boy was Montgomery pissed, which he has absolutely no right to be. You don't have a right to be pissed. Maybe just be pissed at yourself. Yeah, I don't know. Why don't you brag about your family or your kids, maybe? Uh Stop being pissed and just go be a a dad. Thanks. Yeah. Also, was no one at work like, this is kind of weird that you're chatting with an... 18 year old yeah. girl unless he didn't Did no say one tell age. his wife like ho- regardless like hello you, it's i'm sure code, they were aware right broke yeah jesse and brian would also go into chat ro- chat rooms montgomery was in and tell people that marine sniper was a child predator who was pretending to be a teenager when he was actually so at this point he's now 47 years old mm-hmm now Montgomery was fuming, and he sent really vicious messages to Jesse, calling her names and threatening Brian. He told Jesse, Brian will pay in blood, and oh. he said, you are nothing and you will be nothing but a lying whore. Whoa. He's taking it very well, guys. Says the liar and the cheater. Yeah. yeah. So technically says the actual lying whore. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Takes one to okay, know I'm just, one. I'm just checking that I'm making sure yeah. I followed. There's okay. so much more to the story. It's it it's crazy, crazy town. Okay. Yeah. Even though Jesse broke things off with Montgomery, she was still in contact with him. So you know, Montgomery would send her some mean stuff. Jesse would respond back with some angry messages every now and then. Um, but then there were times she sent him messages like these. Tall Hot Blonde said, "I ache to be with Tommy. Do you miss it, Tom?" Marine Sniper replied, more than you will ever know. My heart aches to hear you call me your Tommy. I wish I could be that 19-year-old Marine for you. Tall Hot Blonde replied, I know, Tom. Barf. That's... I'm, in case I wish to be like, a oh, lot of things. <laughs> yeah. I have never in my life <laughs> wished to join into an affair with a 47-year-old <laughs> liar. Get out of here, Tall Hot Blonde. Are you... <gasps> Is she really a tall, hot blonde? Or is she also like 55 years old with a family? You got to let me finish the story, Sarah. There's a lot going on. Okay. 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 Their cyber affair began to pick up again, and Montgomery again was completely absorbed in it. He believed that Jesse had accepted him for who he was and that they could be together even with their age difference. He would constantly chat with Jesse online to the point where Cindy would basically plead with him to get off his computer and have a conversation with her. But he oh refused, saying, quote, I'll get off when I'm done, end quote. Divorce his ass. I'm That's saying, what I she say. needs to be done with you, okay? Yeah. Mm-mm. Cindy, the, you come live with me, girlfriend. Yeah, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yeah. The cyber couple would send flirty messages to each other, but Montgomery says nothing Sexual happened between the two after Jesse found out his real age. So I guess no more virtual sex. Ain't that a drag? <laughs> there. <laughs> you sound so upset, Aaron. I don't Ain't even know how that drag. would work. <laughs> like, I don't know. Just, 
No, thank you. Just no. no, thank you. Yeah. No. Their mm. rekindled fling only lasted for a short while, though. Jesse broke things off with Montgomery and began talking to Brian once more. So, Dang, girl. Yeah. is there no one else on these chat rooms she can talk to? Like, is there no one maybe else just in go the with real town world? Over. Hmm. Oh my god, I hope it's the wife the whole time. Like, she's just been fucking with him. Like All that right. uh, catfish episode where it was like the sister catfishing, right? Weren't they sisters? Yeah. Isn't that yeah. their, yeah, or like her cousin or some shit? Yeah. Or her cousin, yeah, her cousin yeah. Cat- was, was catfishing. Like, her was like, other why cousin. are you doing this? And she's like, because she told me I was ugly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. God, that was the worst one. Well, no, but oh. people, yeah, 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 people are crazy. Yeah, that. <laughs> mm, that's why we got a podcast. <sighs> Rejected once again, Montgomery became extremely jealous of Brian's relationship with Jesse. Employees at the factory Montgomery and Brian worked at also began to notice the heated rivalry between the two of them. When Montgomery heard that Brian was planning on meeting Jesse in person, he became enraged. Journalist Barbara Schroeder, who directed the documentary titled Tall Hot Blonde, said of Montgomery, quote, he was clearly vulnerable, clearly a little off. For the entire year and a half they communicated, he exhibited rage issues, and she continued to egg him on, end quote. At the last minute, Jesse had allegedly texted Brian not to come visit her, but Montgomery had already caught word of their meeting plans. On September 15th, 2006, Brian had finished up his work shift at 10 p.m. He walked to the Dynabraid Corporation parking lot and had just climbed into his truck when gunshots rang out. Brian was shot three times at close range in his neck and left arm by a 30 caliber rifle. His body was found two days later by a coworker who had spotted, spotted Brian's pickup truck in the factory parking lot. Police arrived on the scene and were initially stumped. Brian was described by friends and family as quiet and unassuming. He was an accomplished athlete. He helped coach Little League, and he also coached soccer with his father. He attended Buffalo State College and had plans to become an industrial arts teacher. He just had a lot going for him. He had big plans for the future. Didn't have, like any enemies there's one but you know a lot of people liked him so anyways at the crime scene police could tell that brian had been targeted and that this wasn't just a senseless random act of violence after some investigation interviews police quickly learned about the cyber love triangle between brian montgomery and jesse montgomery's co-workers told police that he had been acting erratic and just very weird at work and a coworker told an officer that Montgomery told him he wouldn't be stupid to leave shell casings lying around if he were to kill someone. Because that's what whoa, you whoa, say. Whoa, whoa. Ooh. To Top a 10 things not to say. <laughs> Can we just yeah. make a list? Yeah. Number also, one. Doesn't a that. sniper mean you shot from long range? Shouldn't he change his name? Yeah. Not right? good with I don't guns. Know. <laughs> not good with lies. Yeah. Jesus. Montgomery also asked the same coworker what time Brian got off of work. Cute. What a good. Wow. That's great. Mm-hmm. Did he also like type in the address to where Brian's car was going to be in his GPS and send it out to everyone? Yeah, really. Oh Could my have. gosh. Tagged his location on Facebook. Like hanging out with Bri Bri. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. God. Police. Um, Police were unable to locate Montgomery, and they feared for Jesse's safety. They believed that Jesse would be Montgomery's next target, and so far, like, two days have passed. Remember, like, it's been, like, 48 hours. So 
they police contacted the West Virginia Police Department and told them about Montgomery and their concerns that he may have gone after Jesse. Officers headed to Jesse's home in West Virginia to make sure she was safe. But when they got to her home, a woman named Mary Sheeler answered the door. The police questioned Mary and found out that she was the one who had been messaging Montgomery and Brian all along. Can't play a player. Mm -hmm. Mary was not like her tall, hot, blonde screen name at all. She was actually a 45-year-old mother to two kids who had brown hair, not blonde hair. And it's even worse. That it's it's worse. She had been posing as her daughter. So the real Jesse. No, 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 no. Yes, yes, it's horrible. Using her daughter's identity and email address in order to talk to men online. And to make matters worse, Mary sent real pictures of Jesse to both Montgomery and Brian. So she Does Jesse have multiple personality disorder now? Because, um... So she had her daughter take those pictures and she knew her mom had them? That's what I think I'm her saying. mom That's took real pictures trauma. of her. Like Ugh. without her noticing. Like she would take oh. pictures of her daughter like lifeguarding without her knowing it. What the fuck? Okay, so like not like sexy pictures. I mean, sometimes she, I guess she made them look suggestive. I don't know. You know, with whatever how, okay. whatever she sent the guys. But also this information came That's out later. daughter. Uh, yeah, Whoa. it's messed up. That's right. That's this, what I meant. Does Jesse have multiple personalities? Like, because her mom is traumatizing her. No, I don't think so. Jesse does real good Poor at girl. the end. But um, Mary also, I found this in an article, and I think this came out later, but apparently there was a time where she allegedly took a video, like up her daughter's skirt, and sent the video to several men online asking, guys, do you like it? Which is just Ew! disgusting. Um, yeah, I will adopt you, Jesse. Please come yeah. to my house. I will never do that to you. Yeah, I can't wrap my head around it. Some and people also, shouldn't be parents. Thank you. No, not at all. Jesse had no idea that her mom was using her identity for these cyber flings either. So when Jesse found out, she was very shocked. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Poor girl. Ugh. That's Mm-mm. sad. Just. Can't even wrap my head around like how many men she probably sent Jesse's pictures to, and now they have those. My pictures. stomach like, fucking hurts. Well, like it's who so uses rough. their kids like that? Messed up. It's gonna. It's not even like she did it for money. Like she just did it for attention. Mother of the year goes to not Mary. Mm. Not tall, Mary. hot, blonde. On. November 27th, 2006, Montgomery was arrested and charged with first-degree manslaughter. He pled not guilty at his arraignment and was held without bail, pending a preliminary hearing. He later changed his plea, agreeing to plead guilty for the murder of Brian Barrett on August 20th, 2007, in order to receive a shorter sentence. Justice Penny Wolfgang sentenced Montgomery to 20 years in prison with five years post-release supervision. Brian's father, Dan Barrett, read a statement before the judge sentenced Montgomery. He said, quote, My wife and I don't understand how this could happen to our family. We don't understand how such evil could exist in the world. To gun down a boy over simple simple jealousy does not make sense. End quote. Montgomery apparently stared down at the table and showed zero emotion when Justice Wolfgang read her sentence. And right after he was sentenced, Montgomery did make an appeal claiming that he was coerced into pleading guilty. Montgomery's attorney, John Nucherino, says that Montgomery's first attorney, John Malloy, who was 
later relieved of his duties, allegedly told Montgomery that the plea could be taken off of the table or changed at any time. Nucherino described Montgomery as an, quote, inexperienced defendant, end quote, who believed that if he could change his plea from not guilty to guilty, then why couldn't he change it back? Nucherino also claimed that Malloy pressured Montgomery into taking the plea deal, telling him that his case would be hard to win if it went to trial, and that Montgomery's two daughters, who had reportedly planned to take the stand at his trial and testify that they were with him at the time of Brian's murder, would have their testimony picked apart on the stand. Nucherino says Montgomery has a fragile state of mind, has sought out psychiatric treatments in the past, has gone through a recent divorce, go Cindy, and has been on suicide watch multiple times. Nutrino described Montgomery's appeal to take back his plea as, quote, a reflection of his lack of knowledge about the basic concepts of the plea, end quote. But does he think he, I mean, but he did it. Yeah, I know. So. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. You killed someone over someone that wasn't even real. And you were a liar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Deputy. I don't have district- basic understanding oh. of that. Yeah. It, you did it. I d- you're guilty anyway. Why? Mm-hmm. Let's just pick it up. It doesn't Let's, make sense. Like, I, oh, my brain and my stomach are not good. Uh, like the result would be the same anyway, because they yeah. found him to be guilty. Yes. And this way he did, like, his kids didn't have to take the stand. Like, it wasn't drawn out. I understand why they said plead yeah. guilty. And obviously, yeah. you are the only person that has any motive and a lot of motive to do this. And you bragged about not leaving shell casings. You mm-hmm. also, idiot. I'm, I'm sorry. I think I heard you correctly, and he only got 25 years? Yes. No, so he, 20 years. I think the, I don't even, it might have been the maximum. I think the maximum would have been 25 years. But he got it lowered to 20 with five years of... What did they say? Do, 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 do. I think five years post like supervision when yeah. he's released. That's so fucked. You literally killed someone. I, I can't. Oh my God. Yeah. It's very strange. What's. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. <sighs> that was a mm-hmm. lot. Yeah. Um. So going back to his, you know, appeal he was making, Deputy District Attorney Frank Sedita told Justice Wolfgang that during the sentence hearing, Montgomery swore under oath that he understood the plea and the sentence handed down to him, never once expressing any confusion. Wolfgang- That's why they do that. Yes. That was your chance, sir. Yeah. Take it or leave it. Uh, Wolfgang denied the appeal, stating that Montgomery pled guilty, quote, with full understanding of the consequences. End quote. Montgomery will be eligible for parole at the age of 65 in 2024, which is coming up pretty soon, y'all. Holy shit. <laughs> oh, I hate that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Weird. Oh God. Mm-hmm. Very. Now, what about Mary Sheeler? Yeah. Honestly, not much happened to her after Brian's murder and Montgomery's arrest. Her husband divorced her and Jesse cut off all contact with her. Wait, wait. She was also married? Yes. Yeah, married with kids. Yeah, she had two kids. I don't know about the other kid, but Jesse cut off all contact with her. <laughs> at the divorce hearing. <laughs> at the divorce hearing, Mary went up to Jesse and was quoted asking her, quote, why don't you get over this? End quote. 
oh, I don't know, mom, maybe because you pretended to be me and sent random men on the internet pictures and videos of me? Like, what the and heck? used me? Maybe yeah. because you're the fucking devil? Like, what? I... How much would it suck to be the other kid? Like, was the other kid ugly or something? I swear, yeah. Let's. It was probably a boy. Let's hope it was a kid. Like, just wasn't even a factor. Oh my god. Yeah, it was a terrible joke. Actually, I don't. I don't think there's one favorable option. But just get over it. Um, how about you just get a a conscience? Let's talk about that. What a little Mm -hmm. B I T C H. Oof, hate Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And Schroeder was able to speak to Mary while making the documentary. She was unable to get Mary on camera um, to agree to that, but they did speak for 20 minutes off camera. Mary has never apologized to her daughter, shown any remorse, or acknowledged that she did anything wrong. She spoke to BBC once about her online affair with Montgomery, saying, quote, It was stupid. It should have never happened. I just never thought it would go anywhere. That it would end fall off and that would be the end of it end quote except so she was when just it like did, messing around except when it did end and fall off you did it again so you mm-hmm. did have different intent like what okay anyway sorry i'm she's psycho too holy crap okay sorry mm-hmm. hmm. that does make sense though why she could like talk to quote unquote tommy again because yeah. she was also in her 40s like yep <laughs> So prosecutors have looked at all aspects of the case and have tried to charge Mary with something, anything, but even though what she did was morally wrong, she didn't break any laws, so legally they couldn't charge her. She does apparently plan, uh, she does apparently have plans to write a book about the dangers of the internet, though. So, all right, Mary, you do you. Wait, how old was her daughter when she was sending these pictures of her? Because that would be illegal. I don't know. That's a good question. Isn't that like lewd act or something or like child endangerment anything? Yeah. She said, I mean, the messages, she said she was 18, but she could have been older. I don't know. And it depends on what state you're in too. I think like recording without your permission and I bet it falls into all that stuff. Yeah. And I bet prosecutors tried to do anything they could to like get her with something and they couldn't. So I don't know what the laws are in West Virginia. Yeah. And I bet Jesse would have had to like be the one to press charges and she probably was like i'm getting the f out of here <laughs> yeah how crazy that she too. never apologized yeah and get over it ah, that's no, what that journalist girl. said and i'm based off of everything i've learned in research that seems like mary so i'm shook well there's something about mary am i right mm. ladies <laughs> well yeah it's yeah it's messed up it's so brian messed up. mm-hmm Brian Barrett's parents and family have filed a wrongful death lawsuit against Montgomery, the Dynabraid Corporation, and Sheeler. His parents have also started a petition to enact laws that will protect people from future Mary Sheelers. But as far as I can tell throughout my research, I don't believe any such laws have been put in place. I do agree that there should be something to protect against, you know, cyber posers, but I'm just not sure what those laws would even look like, like how they would be worded. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, same thing if you have a fake ID. It's like um, stealing someone's personal identity or something, right? I mean, also, like, I feel like regardless of what the bill or law or whatever that would they'd try to put in place for it, it still would be on, like, you as an individual to do your research and to, like, like it's still, like, totally on me to make sure that the person I'm talking to is who they say they are. So, like, yes, if they turn out not to be, sure, we could get some repercussions in place, but, like, there's no like you can't hunt them out you know yeah 
But also, and it you does... can't always know. Yeah, it's true. Uh-huh. Especially yeah. if you're younger and like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I guess older and gullible. I don't know. You don't... It it does think that she wasn't like charged with anything. Like, obviously, she did something wrong. Did she think someone was going to die or get murdered because of it? No, I'm sure she didn't. Yeah. So she did nothing illegal. <sighs> but she's still a horrible person. Cool. And so is Montgomery, too. But, ugh. Wow. I'm not yeah, inviting her to brunch. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I was reading the story and it's <laughs> insane. I did not watch the documentary, though, because I think it's you can only like get it on iTunes and watch it oh. through there. So I didn't watch it, but <laughs> that I would recommend it. Martinis and Murder, though. That was a great episode. Okay. Podcast episode. I'll keep them in mind. And I did want to end the story with a quote from Schroeder that I really mm-hmm. liked. She said, quote, maybe more people have to get killed before people pay attention to this problem. Something like this will happen again. Free speech is one thing, but when you use it as a drug and a weapon, we need laws for that. End quote. Uh, I okay, don't know but, about that stance. Ah, uh, that seems well, it's a bit harsh. Coming from a third well, no, party. but I mean. Okay. Coming from her? <laughs> bye. No, that was from the journalist, not from Mary. Oh. Yeah, no, sorry, guys. This was from Barbara Schroeder. Sorry. I saw your faces and I'm like, why are you making those faces? Okay. Oh my God. But also, okay. I really don't like that she said more people had to die. But at the same time, okay, I feel a lot better. Okay, wow. I she's that just saying maybe it, you, I can see where she's coming from. Like, it's I not going to get saying. more attention unless yeah, it, yeah, yeah. like, it probably still happens and it may not get the same attention. Like, this one's just crazy that it was like a double catfish type deal. Yeah. And like, that's here's why. The sh- here's the shitty truth. Yeah. Da, yeah. Da, 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 da. yeah. Okay. Wow. Oh my God. My. <laughs> I literally thought it was maybe that's not bad. <laughs> no, sorry. My bad, my bad. Schroeder, Schroeder. You said Schroeder. You, yeah, uh, yeah, sorry. Wow. All right, cool. Yeah, that was from Barbara, from uh, the one who made the documentary. But yeah, I thought I'd end with that. And that, my friends, is the story of the crazy internet love triangle and the murder of Brian Barrett. So wow. very sad for him that it led to that. Wow. Very senseless killing. So I have never Brian. been a catfish. Have you guys? Nope. I did Mm-mm. use Andrew's um, Facebook, though, during recruitment when we couldn't have our Facebooks. That's different. But yeah, I didn't message anybody. Like a you, were, you were looking out for us, like trying to find Thank people you. who were not nice. So Thank you. It was for the and I just the missed. Yes. I just missed scrolling through Facebook after like two weeks. <laughs> uh-huh. I was like, I don't even care if I don't know those people. Can I just make this movement? Can I just scroll? I just want to see the funny, cute puppy memes. Thank you. Yes. yes. That'd be me. All right. Yeah, Morgan, you're next. Yes. All right. Well, uh, I guess it's my turn. Numero tres of the group. Are you ready? Yes, I am. I'm ready for some spooks. My topic for today, if you go back three episodes at some, well, actually, we'll take it back to birthday episodes. So the episode where Aaron and I unwrapped our birthday presents from Sarah, Sarah got me a book called The World's Favorite Ghost Stories, hashtag 13 Creepy Tales. And uh, I, I'm not going to lie, I hadn't quite, I skimmed it, but I didn't read it. Mm-hmm. And now we flash back again to about three episodes ago, and you guys talked about some scary story with a yellow wallpaper or something. 
Yes. It's oh, in here. It's <gasps> in here. So yeah, I am trying something very new. I didn't read it. So my <laughs> me reading it on the podcast is me reading it in real life for the very first time. So hell yeah. Ooh, prepare here yourself. We go. Yeah. So for those of you who have never heard of the quote, the yellow wallpaper by Charlotte Perkins Gilman. Here we go. <clears throat> I'm gonna do my best to be. I know, and it's the biggest, it's the longest story, too. Oh. Okay. Um, oh, and I uh, it says the yellow wallpaper, Charlotte Perkins Gilman, United States, 1892. So I don't know if that's the setting or if that's when it was written. Oops, I think it was when it was written. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Aaron. Okay. <clears throat> Could be both. Right. And the ooh, the picture. There's a picture. Maybe we'll post that as the thing because it's it's spooky. Look at this girl. Oh yeah, you see her. Yeah, yeah we she can look, she, look, she looked dead on the bed. But here we go. <clears throat> dead on the bed. All right. <laughs> dead, dead on the bed. Hashtag little, dead on the bed. Hashtag she did. All right. Yes, sorry, Morgan. It was published in January of 1892. God, love you. All right. In 1492, Columbus sailed mm-hmm. the ocean. In 1892, mm-hmm. she was. You said it wrong. Dead. She was dead. I thought. Yeah, I was like, no, I'm going yellow wallpaper. She's going yellow wallpaper. All right, y'all. <clears throat> it is very seldom that mere ordinary people like John and myself secure ancestral halls for the summer. A colonial mansion, a high. A he- <laughs> Sentence two. Here we go. <laughs> Are you sure you didn't have any Bloody Marys before this morning? I, guys, the sad part is I have had nothing besides coffee and one tiny little Danish. Here we go. Here we the go. Colonial, <laughs> a colonial mansion, a hereditary estate, I would say a haunted house, and reach the height of romantic felicity. But mm-hmm. what would be asking too much of fate? Still, I will proudly declare that there is something queer about it. Else, why should it be so cheaply? And why have stood so long unattended? John laughs at me. Of course, but one expects that in a marriage. John is practical in the extreme. He has no patience with faith, an intense horror of superstition, and he scoffs openly at any talk of things not felt and seen and put down in figures. John is a physician, and perhaps, I would say, into a living soul, of course, but it is dead paper and a great relief to my mind, perhaps, that it is one reason I do not well faster. You see, he does not believe I am sick. What can one do? If a physician of high standing and one's own husband assures friends and relatives that there is nothing really the matter with one but temporary nervous depression, a slight hysterical tendency, what is one to do? My brother is also a physician and also of high standing, and he says the same thing. So I take phosphates or phosphites, whichever it is, and tonics and journeys and air and exercise, and I am absolutely forbidden to work until I am well again. Personally, I disagree with their ideas. Personally, I believe that congenital work with excitement and change would do me good. What, uh, but what is one to do? I did write for a while, and in spite of them, 
boop, 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 skirt. I did write for a while in spite of them, but it does exhaust me a great deal. Having to be so sly about it or else meet with heavy opposition. Sometimes fancy in my condition if I had less opposition and more society and stimulus. But John says that the worst thing I can do is to think about my condition. And I confess, it does always make me feel bad. So I will let it be alone and talk about the house. The most beautiful place. It is quite alone, standing well back from the road, quite three miles from the village. It makes me think of English places that you read about. For there are hedges and walls and grates that lock and lots of separate little houses for gardeners and people. There is a delicious garden. I never saw such a garden, large and shady, full of boxed paths lined with long grape-colored arbors and seats under them. There were greenhouses, too, but they're all broken now. There was some legal trouble, I believe. Something about the heirs or co-heirs. Anyhow, the place seems to have been empty for years. That spoils my ghostliness. I am afraid, but I don't care. There is something strange about this house. I can feel it. I even said to John one moonlit evening, but he said that he felt was draught and I sh- was a draft and I shut the window. <laughs> Guys, I swear I can read. I get, unre- I get unreasonably angry with John sometimes. I'm sure I never used to be so sensitive. I think it's due to this nervous condition. Pause. This is bringing all of our stories together, dude. I'm just saying. Yeah. Sarah, did you say you read this one for a class? I yeah, mean, I know I've school. read this for a class. And Morgan, you've never read this story? No, this is why I'm having such trouble. I don't remember all these details, but it always, God, like the patriarchy is so real. You're just nervous. The worst thing you can do is leave the house. The worst don't thing you can think. do is be social. <laughs> don't do any work. Don't do Correct. anything. <laughs> you silly woman. But John says, if I feel so, I shall neglect proper self-control. So I take pains and to control myself before him, at least. And that makes me very tired. I don't like our room one bit. I wanted one downstairs that opened up to the piazza and had roses all over the window and pretty much old fashioned chains hangings. But John would not hear of it. He said there was only one window and not room for two beds. Whoa! <laughs> the least and you no, could do is give her the space little, she wants if she's yeah, sick. and a little cut or not and a little and a little cuddle. Damn, two beds, bruh. Mm-mm. Okay. Anyway, not enough room for two beds. Yeah, <laughs> and no near room for him if he took the other. Blah blah blah. Anyway, Get he is very yourself, careful. John. Oh, what the fuck? He is very careful and loving. Okay, and hardly lets me stir without any special direction. That's called controlling. Anyway. I have a scheduled prescription for each hour of the day. He takes all care of from me, and so I feel basely ungrateful not to value it more. So she's being poisoned <sighs> by her husband, who's controlling? Sarah, she, he's taking really good care of her. Don't, oh, don't sorry. put ideas in people's heads. Come on. Don't just jump to conclusions like that, yeah. Sarah. <laughs> sorry, my little lady brain can't comprehend all this. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. <laughs> he said we came here solely on my account that I was to have perfect rests and all the air I could get. Your exercise depends on your strength, my dear, said he, and your food somewhat on your appetite, but your air you can absorb all the time. So we took the nursery at the top of the house. 
It is a big, airy room, the whole floor nearly with windows that looks always, and the air and sunshine galore. It was a nursery first, and then a playground and a gymnasium. I should judge, for the windows are barred for little children, but there are rings and things on the walls. The paint and paper look as if it was a boy's school. It is stripped off the paper in great patches all around the head of my bed, about as far as I can reach, and in a great place on the other side of the room, low, down. I never saw worse paper in my life. So she's referring to the wallpaper. One of those sprawling, flamboyant patterns committing every artistic sin. Wow. That's, damn, that's deep. They say it on my outfits a lot, so. Right. Shoof. It is dull enough to confuse the eye in following, pronounced enough to con constantly irritate and provoke study. And when you follow the lame, uncertain curves for the little distance that they suddenly commit suicide, plunge off in outrageous angles, destroying themselves in unheard of contradictions. The color is repellent, almost revolting, a smoldering, unclean yellow, strangely faded by the slow-turning sunlight. It is a dull yet lurid orange in some places, a sickly sulfur tint in others. No wonder the children hated it. I should hate it myself if I hadn't lived in this room so long. There comes John. I must put this away. He hates to have me write a word. We have been here two weeks, and I haven't felt like writing before since that first day. I am sitting by the window now, up in the atrocious nursery. <laughs> atrocious. Good jeez. And there's <laughs> nothing to hinder my writing such as I please, save the lack of strength. John is away all day, and even some nights when he when John if he's away, is away at night then what's the point of her not getting that room she wants with two beds thank you right yeesh I am glad in any case it is not serious but these nervous troubles are dreadfully depressing John does not know how much I really suffer he knows there is no reason to suffer and that satisfies him of course it is only nervousness it does weigh on me so not it does weigh on me so not to do my duty in any way. I meant to be such a help to John, such a real rest and comfort, and here I am, a comparative burden already. Nobody would believe me in an effort to do what little I am able to do, to dress and entertain and order things. It is fortunate Mary is so good with the baby, such a dear baby, and yet I cannot be with him. It makes me so nervous. I suppose John never is never nervous in his life. He laughs at me about the wallpaper. At first, he meant to repair the repaper the room, but afterward he said I was letting it get the better of me and nothing was worse for a nervous patient than to give away to such fantasies. He said that after the wallpaper was changed, it would be the heavy beds bedstead and then barred windows and then that gate and then the stairs and so on. You know the place is doing you good, he said. And really, my dear, I don't care to renovate the house for three months of a rental. Then do let us go downstairs, I said. There is such pretty rooms there. Then he took me in his arms and called me his blessed little goose <laughs> and, said, and said he would go down to the, we could go down to the cellar if I wished and have it whitewashed to the bargain. Okay. But he said, right is enough. Right. Wait, blah, blah, blah. 
but he is right enough about the beds and the windows and things. It is airy and comfortable, and a room is any one need wish, and of course, I would not be so silly as to make him uncomfortable just for a whim. I am really getting quite fond of the big room, but oh, that horrid wallpaper. <laughs> out of out of one window, I can see the garden, those mysterious, deep, shaded arbors, the righteous old-fashioned flowers, and bushes of gnarly and gnarly trees. Out of another, I get a lovely view of the bay and a private wharf belonging to the estate. Is there a beautiful shaded oh there is a beautiful shaded lane that runs down there from the house. I always fancy and I see people walking in these numerous paths and of the arbors, but John has cautioned me not to give away to the fancy in the least. He says that with my imaginative power and habit of story making, a nervous weakness like mine is sure to lead in all matters of excited fantasies, and that I ought to use my will and good sense to check the tendencies. So I try. I think sometimes that if I were well enough to write a little bit, I would relieve the press of ideas and rest me. But I find I get pretty tired when I try. It is so discouraging not to have any advice and companionship about my work. When I get really well, John says we will ask Cousin Henry and Julia down for a long visit. But he said as soon as he put the fireworks in my pillowcase as to let me have those stimulating people about now. <laughs> I wish <laughs> I wish I could get well faster, but I must not think about that. This paper looks at me as if I knew what vi what vicious influence it had. There's a re a, a recurrent spot where the pattern lulls like a broken neck and two bulbous eyes stare at you upside down. Okay. Ugh. Okay, bro, I just thought of the bent neck lady for real. <clears throat> Stop. <laughs> <laughs> I get positively angry with the impertinence of it and the everlastingness. Up and down and sideways they crawl, and those absurd, unblinking eyes are everywhere. There is one place where two breadths didn't match, and the eyes go all up and down the line, the one higher than the other. I never saw so much expression in an inanimate thing before, and we all know how much expression they have. I used to lie awake as a child and get more entertainment and terror out of blank walls and plain furniture than most children find in a toy store. Um, and then they locked her in this room? I'm, I'm scared. I remember what, they kind of <laughs> what a kindly wink of knobs of our old bed boudoir used to have. And there was one chair that always seemed like a strong friend. I used to feel that if any of other things looked too fierce, I could always hop into the chair and be safe. The furniture in this room is no worse than an inharmonious, however, we have to bring it all from downstairs. I suppose when this was used as a playroom, they had to take the nursery things out. And no wonder, I never saw such ravage ravages as children have made here. This is hard to read. The wallpaper, as I said before, is torn off in spots, and it's and it sticketh closer. It does say that, and it sticketh closer than a brother. They must have had perseverance as a as well as hatred. Okay, dude, I've never. This is what the okay. <laughs> then the floor is scratching and gouged and splintered, and the plaster itself is dug out here and there. 
and this great heavy bed, which is all we found in the room, looks as if it had been through wars. But I don't mind it in a bit. Only the paper. There comes John's sister, such a dear girl as she is, and so careful to me. I must not let her find me writing. For writing is not but a sin. She is a perfect and enthusiastic housekeeper and hopes for no better profession. I verily believe she thinks that this is writing this writing has is what made me sick. But I can write when she is out and see her a long way off from these windows. There is one that commands the road, a lovely shaded winding road and one that just looks off over the country. A lovely country too, full of great elms and velvet meadows. This wallpaper has kind of a sub-pattern and a different shade, a particularly irritating one, for you can (laughs) only see it in certain lights, and even then not clearly. But in the places where it isn't faded, and where the sun is just so, I can see a strange, provoking, formless sort of figure that seems to sulk about behind it in silly, conspicuous uh, fronts of the design. There's sister on the stairs. Well, 4th of July is over. The people are gone, and I am tired out. John thought it might do me good to see a little company, so we had Mother and Nellie and the children down for a week. But of course, it did nothing. Jenny sees sees to everything now, but it tired me all the same. John says if I don't pick up faster, he shall send me to Weir Mitchell in the fall. There? There, Mitchell? But I don't want to go there at all. I had a friend who was in in his hands once, and she says he was just like John and my brother, only more so. So, aka, they ain't gonna believe that she's sick. Besides, it is such an undertaking to go so far. I don't feel as if it was worthwhile for me to turn my hand over to anything, and I'm getting dreadfully uh, fretful and querulous. Okay. I cry at nothing and cry most of the time. Of course, I don't when John is here, or anybody else, but when I am alone. And I am alone a good deal just now. John is kept in town by by very serious cases, and Jenny is good and lets me alone when I want her to. So I walk a little in the garden or down that lovely lane, sit on the porch under the roses, and lie down here for a good deal. I'm getting really fond of the room, in spite of the wallpaper, Perhaps because of the wallpaper. It dwells in my mind, so. (laughs) This paper, bruh. This paper. I I lie here on the great immovable bed. It is nailed down, I believe. Okay. For exorcisms? I got, okay. And follow that pattern about by the hour. It is as good as gymnastics, I assure you. I, I start, we'll say, at the bottom, down in the corner, over there, where it's to be not, has it not been touched, and I determine for the thousandth time that I will follow that pointless pattern in some sort of conclusion. I know a little of the principle of the design, and I know this thing was not arranged in any laws of radiation or alteration or reception or symmetry or anything else that I've ever heard of. It is repeated, of course, by the by the breadths, but not otherwise. Looked at it in one, each breadth stands alone. The bloated curves and flourishes a kind of de pace romantesque with delirium temens go wadding up and down in its isolated columns of fr- fortuity. 
But on the other hand, they connect diagonally and the sprawling outlines run off in great slanting, wa- slanting waves and optic of horror. Like a lot of wallowing seaweeds in a full chase. The whole thing goes horizontally too. At least it seems so. If I exhaust myself in trying to distinguish the order of it going in any direction. They have used that horizontal breadth for Fries. <laughs> and that adds wonderfully to the confusion. Tell me about it, girl. There is one end of the room where it is almost intact. And there, when the light, when the cross light facade or fades and the low sun shines directly upon it, I can almost fancy radiation of, of it after all. The interminable grotesque seems to form around the common center and rush off in the headlong plunges of equal distraction. It makes me tired to follow it. I will take a nap, I guess. I don't know why I should write this. I don't want to. I don't feel able. And I know John would think it is absurd. And I must say that I feel in some way it is a relief but the effort is getting to be greater than relief. Half the time, I know I am awfully lazy and I lie down ever so much. John says I mustn't lose my strength and has made me cod liver oil and lots of tonic things to say nothing of ale and wine and rare meat. Dear John, he loves me very dearly and hates to have me sick. I tried to have a real, earnest, reasonable talk with him the other day and tell him how I wish I could just let me go and make a visit to my cousin Henry and Julia. He's poisoning you. But he said I was not able to go, nor able to stand it after I got there. I didn't make out a very good case for myself, for I was just crying before it even finished. It is getting to be a great effort for me to think straight. Just this nervous weakness, I suppose. And dear John gathered me up in his arms and just carried me up the stairs to lie me on the bed, sat by me, read to me till my tired, till I was t- till it tired my head. He said I was his darling and his comfort and all he had, and that I must take care of myself for his sake and keep well, but says no one but myself can help me out of it, that I must use my will and self-control and not let any silly fancies run away with me. There's one comfort. The baby is well and happy and does not have to occupy the nursery with this horrid wallpaper. (laughs) If we had not used it, if we had not used it, the blessed child would have. What a fortunate escape. Well, I wouldn't have a child of mine, an impressionable little thing, live in such a room for worlds. I never thought of it before, but it is lucky that John kept me here after all. I can stand it so much easier than the baby, you see. Of course, I never mention it to them anymore. I am too wise, but I keep watch of it all the time. There are things in that paper that nobody knows but me or ever will. Behind that outside pattern, the dim shapes go clear, get clearer every day. My God. It is always the same shape, only very numerous. And it is like a woman stooping down, creeping about, that pattern. I don't like it one bit. I wonder. I begin to think. I wish John would take me away from here. It is so hard to talk to John about my case because he is so wise and because he loves me so. Girl, you confused. Mm. But But I tried it last night. It was moonlight. The moon shines in all around just as the sun does. 
I hate to see it sometimes. It creeps so slowly, but otherwise comes in the window or another. John was asleep and I hated to waken him, so I kept still and watched the moonlight in the undilating wallpaper till it felt creepy. Till I felt creepy. Okay. The faint figure behind seemed to shake the pattern just as if she wanted to get out. I, okay. I got up Mm -hmm. softly and went to feel and see if the paper Mm -hmm. did move. And when I came back, John was awake. What is it? Ooh, this is creepy. What Uh is it, little girl? Mm -hmm. (laughs) He said, don't go walking about like that. You'll get, uh, you'll get cold. Okay. What the fuck? Okay. It is 1892. Whatever. I thought it was a good time to talk, so I told him that I was really not gaining here and that I wished we could, he could take me away. Why, darling, he said, our lease will be up in three weeks. I can't see how we could leave before. The repairs are not done at home, and I cannot possibly leave town just now. Of course, if you were in any danger, I could and would, but you really are better, dear, whether you can see it or not. I'm a doctor, dear, and I know. Oh gosh, you, uh, you are you are gaining flesh. Are you calling her fat? And color, and your appetite is better. I feel really much easier about you. What the fuck? I don't weigh a bit more, said I, nor as much. And my appetite may be better in the evening when you are here, but it is worse in the morning when you are away. Bless her mm-hmm. little heart, he said with a big hug. She shall be as sick as she pleases. But now let's improve the shining <gasps> hours by going to sleep and talk about it in the morning. And you won't oh go away, I said gloomily. Mm-mm. Why, how can I, dear? It is only three weeks more, and then we will take a nice little trip for a few days while Jenny is getting the house ready. Really, dear, you are better. Better in body, I perhaps, I began and stopped short, for he sat up straight, looked at me with such a stern, reproachful look, Mm -mm. I could not say another word. My darling, he said, I beg for you, for my sake, for our child's sake, as well as your own, that if you never for one instant let the idea enter your mind, there is nothing so dangerous, so fascinating, so temperate like yours. It is a false and foolish fancy. Can you not trust me as a physician when I tell you so? So, of course, I said no more on the score, and we went to sleep before long. He thought I was asleep first, but I wasn't. I lay there for hours trying to decide whether that the front pattern and the back pattern really did move together or separately. On a pattern like this, by daylight, there is a lack of sequence, a defiance of law which is constant, irritant to the normal mind. The color is hideous enough and unreliable enough and infuriating enough, but the pattern is torturing. You think you've mastered it, but just as well underway in following, it turns back a somersault, and there you are. It slaps you in the face, knocks you down, and tramples you. It's like a bad dream. The outside pattern is a florid arabesque, reminding me of a fungus. (laughs) You can imagine a a toadstool in joints, an intermittable sting of toadstools, budding and sprouting in endless convulsions. Why is this something like it? That is, sometimes. There is one marked particularly about this pa- this paper, a thing nobody seems to notice but myself, and that is that it changes as the light changes. The fuck? When the sun <laughs> shoots through the east windows, I always watch for the first long, straight ray. 
It changes so quickly that I can never quite believe it. That is why I always watch it. By moonlight, the moon shines in all shines in all night. When there is when there is moon, I wouldn't know if it was even the same paper. At night, in any kind of light, in twilight, candlelight, lamplight, and worst of all, by moonlight, it becomes bars. The outside pattern, I mean, and the woman behind it is plain as can be. I didn't Mm -hmm. realize for long (laughs) what the thing was that showed behind, but a a dim sub pattern, and now I'm quite sure it is a woman. By candlelight, she is subdued, quiet. I fancy it is the pattern that keeps her so still. It is so puzzling. It keeps me quiet by the hour. I lie down ever so much now. John says it's good for me, and so I sleep all I can. Indeed, he started the habit by making me lie down for an hour after each meal. It is a very bad habit, I'm convinced, for, you see, I don't sleep, and that cultivates deficit, for I don't tell them that I'm awake. Oh, no. Oh, no. The fact is, I'm getting a little afraid of John. He seems very queer sometimes, and even Jenny has an, an inexpectable look. It strikes me occasionally as a scientist hypothesize that perhaps it is the paper. I have watched John when he did not know I was looking, and I've come into the room suddenly in the most... On, boop, boop, boop. I have watched John when he did not know I was looking, and I've come into the room suddenly on the most innocent excuses, and I've caught him several times looking at the paper. And Jenny, too. I caught Jenny with her hand on it once. And with that, uh, I'm leaving you on a cliffhanger. Uh, okay, how happy are the- you that you live in this era and not in 1892? I'm going to tell you one thing, because I probably would have a headache, and they'd be like, oh, you're fine. And then it's probably you know a tumor, and then I die. So absolutely, I'm very glad. Also, this is breaking all the rules of cabin fever. Like, I'm going to lock you inside. <laughs> you're tired. Oh, you need to go. Oh, you're not getting better. <laughs> oh, you you want to go out for a walk? <laughs> lock you in. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, Sarah, they're not listening to you at all. <laughs> no. Uh, no. And then, like, just, like, so, patriarchy makes my skin crawl. Like, oh, yeah, I don't, darling. He is just, he's disgusting. I'm a doctor. I'm, Listen yeah. to me. You don't well, trust me as a doctor. Don't you tr- Right. Like, trust me as, as your a husband man. and your doctor. Blech. Gross. Well, thank you all for putting up with my struggling of reading words because I haven't read out loud in a very long time, but I'm I'm creeped out already. So part two will be next week. Yeah. Um, very cool. For those of you who haven't read the book, hope I left you with some some suspense. And those who have, you're just going to have to wait, son. <laughs> Thanks for letting me read. Wish wanted to try something different. So yeah, I'm about yeah. it. I'm about living here and now. Yeah. I would not have survived. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Yes. They would have burned me at the stake. <sighs> ooh, 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 ooh. I'm so excited for you to finish it. Thank you. I am too. One week away, yo. Woo-hoo. Mm, mm, mm. <sighs> okay. So I know that was enough Sinister Sunrise to get you through your day. Um, hopefully you can mm-hmm. wait a week for Morgan's finish of her story. I'm just really excited to see Morgan's reaction, if I'm being honest. Yes. I mean, I'm already, like, flipping out, so. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Prepare yourself. Um, Did you guys have anything else you wanted to say before I started saying thanks and everything? Or Morgan, I think you could totally read audiobooks. And in my head, I was like, I wonder who – 
I would want like what celebrity would I want to read this short story as an audiobook? And the first one immediately that came to mind was Snoop Dogg for some reason. Yeah. I just feel like oh, he would yeah. he'd just I make it Snoop. that much better. Yeah. I would love his With come through like Yes. Uh <laughs> like whenever he did the the um of like the animal planet videos, he goes, Oh, look at that. Yes. What is that? What is that? Is that a mongoose? Look and at like mongoose. the extra commentary. <laughs> I think it'd be yeah. great. Morgan, yeah. you did wonderful too. Yes. But I was like, who else Aww. could do this? Can you yeah, imagine thanks, being guys. like, shit, they gonna lock her in that room with the ugly ass paper? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Also, my grandma would definitely it. complain about wallpaper for three months if you put her in there. I can tell you that oh. right now. Okay. Mm-mm. Well, Mm-mm. now we know. And now I think it's yellow. Know. Yeah. I don't like know. She That's says my favorite sick, like color. A, I like yellow, but Bitches. not a sickly, gross one that she describes. Yeah. So. I only fair. like sickly, gross, bile yellow. Perfect. I know all of your gifts from now on will be themed bile yellow. If I get locked in this house for any longer, I will be dyeing my hair myself a sickly (laughs) bile colored yellow. (laughs) Blah, gross. (laughs) Yes. Um, Okay. Well, then, like I said, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, Thank you for all the Apple podcast reviews you've been leaving and any emails you've been sending us. If you have any more short stories you want read by Miss Wonderful Morgan, if you have any true crime stories that you have not committed, um, if you have committed, <laughs> use a different name. Um, any dreams you want, yeah, we're here for you guys. Like we like doing this, but we want your opinions too. So please send us an email at sinistersunrisepodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you want to go ahead and follow our Instagram page, it is, you guessed it, Sinister Sunrise Podcast. <laughs> basically just type in sinister sunrise podcast and you will find us wherever we are um yeah. yeah so yeah thanks for all the love we've been getting guys we appreciate it we did hit a thousand listens so we did yeah. and that's not yes. like okay like low-key like we probably listened to the first couple because we wanted to make sure like we sounded good and when we switched right. audio like i yes obviously we check on them but i did the math that's only like 30 listens at most so you all did that you all got us to the thousand listens so thank you thank you thank you you. yes um if you have done anything to get a sticker and have not received it please let us know um because they are ready and we're sending them out but other than that i hope you have a great rest of your day thanks guys Bye. bye